The only people in comics who don't have a new book at Image, it's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Network. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert. That is H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, everybody. Yeah. And I am joined, as usual, by Brett Elston. That's not my sound effect. There we go. <laughs> and Dave Rutten. Hey, where first uh, first segment appearance? It's been a while. Yeah, uh-huh. it's been a while. Uh, no, I mean, Chris Frantista is away on assignment. Mm. He's, he's working hard on something. We got another Marvel thing of brewing yeah. for you guys, and I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, in the meantime, boy, it is a hot one today. It is remarkably uh, hot in here. Hot one in the old yes. tent tonight. But we've got a lot of... That's quite a comic yeah. book reference there, Dave. Thank oh, you. I, I only know it from Square Dancing in School. <laughs> what? It's well, a hot it's... time in the old town tonight. No? Didn't we? Well, yeah. we... Actually, that was on this week's uh, April Fool's 302010. Yeah, I hope you guys eight, enjoyed that. I think 1896. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, it's a busy, busy week in the world of comic books. We've got a lot of... Uh, the return of the Ask Hank section. We've got uh, a lot. Your answer to the last week's question of the week. I read a ton of new books. There's news coming out of Image Expo right now. It's crazy. But also, we've got the patent pending, very popular superhero spotlight. Select your hero. Black Panther. It is his 50th anniversary. Mm. He has got a new comic out, and by the end of the month, he will make his first on-screen live-action appearance in Civil War. That is Black Panther, a.k.a. King T'Challa of Wakanda. And in case you don't know, he's been, like I said, been around for 50 years. First appeared in Fantastic Four number 52, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And he is not related to the political group of the 1960s. They didn't first appear until uh, October 1966. So the Black Panther Party, unrelated to the uh, Black many, How long ahead was it? Uh, four months. So uh, who knows if the Black Panthers themselves were inspired by the Black Panther. Is but, it T'Challa or is it Chala? Like the T is I, uh, Maybe it is Chala. Chala. Yeah. But, I, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I thought I read somewhere like, oh, it's not T'Challa. It's like just Chala. Well, let's get into his powers real quick. So yeah. he is, like we said, king. He is a king of the nation of Wakanda, Black Panther. He, he gets powers. At first, he got them from a special herb, mm-hmm. uh, but then it is was set up that he got his strength, speed, agility, acute senses, stamina and durability and healing and special reflexes got it from a panther spirit that inhabits the bodies of those from his lineage like his father before him Mm -hmm. was a black panther and so on and so on and back even one of them fought captain america back in the 40s though thanks to a sliding timeline it used to be his dad fought captain america in the 40s but technically that's almost impossible now that his dad (laughs) like that he could be even 40 and that his father would have fought captain america Unless he did it when he was, like, 15. At this point, even his grandfather would be like, I guess you could have. <laughs> and that panther spirit makes him invulnerable to, or not invulnerable, but magic's hard to work on him, too. It protects him from, like, yeah. spells and crap. And not only that, he's got super combat experiences, and he is one of the eight smartest people in the Marvel Universe. Eight. That's a weird number. Eight? Well, I think that was So that means up, he is eight. Well, it's uh, like, like MySpace, no. though. It's a top eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's all, it's, it all depends on the writer. Different writers say like yeah. oh in my comic book Hanks Pym outsmarted yeah. uh, Tony Stark and then the guy writing Iron Man says no here's the scene where Iron Man outsmarts Reed Richards <laughs> what yeah. wait a minute and so it just keeps fluctuating the idea of eight was created by Amadeus Cho who's the current 
Incredible Hulk, he said, I'm the eighth smartest person on Earth. And so then it, you had to think, like, well, who's the one smarter than that? Hank Pym, Reed Richards. Sure. Tony Stark, Banner. Tony Stark, Banner, Doctor Doom, uh, T'Chall. Maybe Strange. And maybe Strange. Some kid who won Spelling V. And then on today's show. Uh, and he's also super Engine. rich. Because World of Wakanda is both, it is an African nation that has, you know, some of its tribal roots uh, definitely on show, but also it is the most technologically advanced nation in the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. or on Marvel Earth. Yeah, to like a fictional point of like crazy technology we don't really even yeah. have. Like what we imagine Japan has, they actually have sure. it. And they also are sitting on vibranium, which yeah. is the special mineral that just comes out of there, which is the same stuff that is made out of Captain America's shield, right. which is the special metal that absorbs hits. It's why Captain America can get hit in his shield by the Hulk and it doesn't shatter his arm. Even yeah, if it, it like redistrib- absorbs and like redistributes all the impact outwards. So the scene in the movie that's very famous of Avengers is when Thor smashes the hammer on Cap's shield. It like levels all the trees and mm-hmm. but Cap's still standing. And Black Panther has a his suit has that stuff in it. It's why yeah. bullets were like floating off yeah. of him in the trailer and his claws he has a vibrating claws which can F people up man. Yeah. And his suit gets more technologically advanced as time goes on. In the first issue of his new book that came out today the mask disappears on and off of his head uh, not unlike the more technologically advanced Iron Man mm. suits when we get back to his first appearance in 1966 at least by Marvel for Marvel and DC which was mainstream comics at the time he was the first black superhero ever 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 there had never really been one the closest was like there was a cowboy comic book starring a man named Lobo uh, in the 50s and to show you how far advanced Marvel was ahead of DC in this case, so Marvel creates Black Panther in 1966, first black superhero. 1968, I believe it was, they create Falcon, who is the first African-American superhero. Mm. It wasn't until 1971 that DC creates its own black superhero, which was another Kirby creation, a new god called the Black Racer. Uh, and then yeah. a year later, they create Black Lightning, who is their first, like, okay, let's make an yeah. urban hero for the black exploitation age. When but, does Cyborg come into that? Cyborg's mid seventies, but it was a huge deal to have the first black superhero, and they took it seriously. You look back on it now; it is a little bit hokey. That you can tell Jack Kirby thought, "Well, how do you draw Africa?" Uh, well, a Tarzan movie, right? Yeah, and yeah. he, it's like here's the Zulu warriors dancing around, and yeah. there's this kind of this very corny at best scene of Ben of Ben Grimm and the rest of the Fantastic Four like watching them uh, watching some of the Wakandans do like this traditional dance and Ben Grimm like Fred Astaire they ain't yeah. I was like alright alright but that also in his first appearance is in 52 which by the way is two issues after the Galactus, Galactus story yeah. like that's fucking crazy yeah to go from like a giant space crazy you know space god almost devoured the planet yeah and then and then they go to Wakanda they see and they're just like whoa this super advanced nation but also they are they look like Africans we've seen in you know, documentaries in the sure. 60s it's very it's very confusing to them and that's when they introduce his first and I suppose his top enemy claw 
Ulysses Claw, who at first was just this mean white guy who wants to steal vibranium from him. And then he gets transformed like his hand explodes. And he gets transformed into basically living sonic energy that can disrupt vibranium on a certain level. But And that's the dude, uh, Andy Serkis, uh, in in Age of Ultron. That's Claw. Or Will. I mean, he is Claw, and then he's already lost the arm, so... I mostly know him, Claw, from uh, Secret Wars. Like, yeah. he, he ends up in that story pretty big. Uh, so he's a backup character in Fantastic Four. Then when Jack Kirby moves over to Captain America in 1968, when Tales of Suspense becomes Captain America at issue 100, Kirby then puts Black Panther in there. So I think Kirby definitely had a thing. He enjoyed his Black Panther character. He's one of like eight dozen characters Jack Kirby made. It's It's honestly kind of like scary when you look back like, Okay, well, this character maybe wasn't Jack Kirby. Nah, it's Jack Kirby, too. Like, it's always Jack Kirby. But and then at the same time, in Avengers 52, May 1968, Black Panther joins the Avengers. Mm. And I'd say it's maybe not true at this point, but I'd say into the late 90s, Black Panther had appeared in way more Avengers comics than any solo book. Sure. Like, he, he had been an Avenger... For a very long time. So he was one of the most loyal members of the Avengers, too. He was on so many different teams. But it got retconned that he originally joined the team to spy on them. Mm. Because he's like, these American heroes, they work for the U.S. government, who I don't trust. Mm. And they could be spying on me. So I better join them and spy on them. Sounds like this may come up in the Mm -hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. 1970 is also when they introduced his sometimes love interest, Monica Lynn. She's appearing on and off, though. He gets a much more important love interest later. Uh, but yeah, also in, uh, 19, in a 1970 issue of Avengers, he revealed his secret identity on TV, which it's I didn't even know Shala Ch- had a secret identity. I mm-hmm. thought he always was. I am the king of Wakanda, and yeah. I sometimes become Black Panther and have adventures in America. Yeah. But, I think they would notice the king's gone. <laughs> yeah, you think so. <laughs> You think uh, the news media would be paying attention to that? <laughs> like, you know, the, the king is in New York this weekend on a diplomatic mission. And the Black Panther also showed up in New York. <laughs> in early 1972, well, a couple things happened. One, they did a story with Black Panther in Fantastic Four where they tried to reintroduce him as the Black Leopard. He's like, I renamed myself the Black Leopard. Black Panther has some political uh, things in America and while I don't while I neither support nor nor deride the people in that group I want to be disassociated from that and like fans just roll their eyes and they're like ah, come on we know he's not the Black Panther it's kind of animal racist <laughs> you, you, oh you could just switch to animals that's yeah. fine a panther and a leopard are the same thing it doesn't stick at all he's, he's back to the Black Panther very quickly so quickly that when he finally got his own solo book in the late in late 72 it was his name on the cover but it was this weird thing where it was like it both was and wasn't his book in the early 70s Marvel deluged the market with a bunch of new books uh, that they did, weren't doing in the Silver Age and one of them was called Jungle Action which uh, oh, I have that on Blu-ray and, uh, so they uh, do the first four issues of Jungle <laughs> Action and the writer Don McGregor was like it's the early 70s why are we doing a book set in Africa that stars white people like mm. this seems dumb and then his editor's like, fine, just put the Black Panther in it if you want. This book's not selling anyway. And Don McGregor does uh, this storyline I'd never read, but a bunch of later Black Panther writers say is one of his best stories to huh. that point. It's a 
13-part epic that's told much more in the way of modern comics are being told of like, this is a graphic novel, if you will. It is a 13-part storyline with a beginning, middle, and end. It's not like, even in the early 70s, you go issue to issue, yeah. and the point is to get people to buy your next issue. It's yeah. always a cliffhanger. But this was a like about a civil war in Wakanda, and it introduced the guy who is pretty much Black Panther's Moriarty, Eric Killmonger. <laughs> Jesus. And he is a, like a good guy. Uh, he's a former Wakandan, uh, like rejected prince and would be usurper who is sometimes written to be smarter and a better fighter than Black Panther, which is crazy to think that that guy's that strong. Yeah. And he's got to any... kick Reed Richards out of the top eight when he's smarter. <laughs> uh, for fist uh, though, when you look at the cover, it did ta- get. I was taken aback at first of like, jungle action starring the Black yeah, Panther. It's like, that's, eh. yeah, at face value, that doesn't seem great. But again, it, when you dig into it, it actually seems to be like, well, this was a dumb book called Jungle Action starring like Kazar and shit, and now it at least stars the guy who'd be having jungle action, right. the African king. But it does sound crazy when you say it. Unfortunately, as would be the case for a lot of Black Panther books, it was not popular and got canceled in under two years. But then in 77, Kirby comes back to Marvel. He made his big exit in the early 70s, wrote at DC for a while. Jack Kirby comes back in 77. He wants to write new characters, but they're like, no, 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 do a Black Panther book. Like here. And that's when the first actual Black Panther number one comes out Mm. is in January 1977, Hmm. written and drawn by Jack Kirby. And Jack Kirby, though, just wasn't that into it. He's like, eh, I don't want to do... I I did Black Panther. I want to make a new guy. And so he leaves after five issues or so. They try to keep it going, but it gets canceled in 15. And still at the same time, Black Panther is kind of going in between Wakanda and the Avengers. He's sometimes on or off the Avengers. And really, he... Until 1988, where he gets another, like, solo miniseries... For 20 years, he's just kind of like, and guest starring Black Panther. Yeah. This week's Marvel team-up has Black Panther in it. Mm. And I they were fun books. Like, one has this amazing cover where Spider-Man is being shot at by Black Panther in a helicopter. But Black Panther is shooting a machine gun of Black Panther vibranium claws at him. Yeah. Not even bullets. And it's I want to read that issue yeah. so much. Yeah, going through that same time period, I, was, I posted a thing where I was taking pictures of all the action figures I had to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And I almost got rid of the Marvel Legends Black Panther figure until I took the cape off of him and I was like, oh wow, this is actually a really cool figure when you get this plastic cape out of here and I can (laughs) actually see the character. But it made me realize, like, I don't think the whole time I was growing up there was even a Black Panther toy at all. No, he didn't get much merchandise. No, so like, there's this thing called Marvel Gold that there was one figure, I think, super limited run with a bunch of other characters. I think Typhoid Mary might have been another one. I believe that, yeah. Yeah, yeah something like so. that. And then I think the next toy maybe could have been that Marvel Legends. Like it's, But he definitely wasn't many. in the early, even in the yeah. like first few years of Toy Biz lines, yeah. he definitely wasn't there. There were dozens and dozens of Toy Biz figures. Uh, like, there's a Spider-Man every, there's two Spider-Man every time. Dude, there's a Dragon Man figure. There is a there's Dragon a, Man. There's a Dragon Man, there's a Psycho Man. Like there's, Which he has to be, like, he's such an obscure, him and Psycho Man are such obscure Fantastic Four characters. Fear Monger, whatever that character is. I yeah, the... All that time, like, Black Panther just becomes a supporting dude. He barely appears in stuff. He does have sort of his own solo book, if you remember Marvel Comics Presents. Yeah. A weekly comic that was, like, two 11-pagers stuck together. He had a long-ish running thing in that, too. But 
he really wasn't getting much of a spotlight. He, uh, in the mid-90s in Marvel Comics, he did get to be part of the Onslaught Heroes Reborn thing. He got sucked into the universe where he's drawn by Jim Lee, just like the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. And definitely, I'd say Jim Lee draws a really good Black Panther. Hmm. I think it's really good. Yeah, I can imagine that. Did Liefeld? He just stayed back. Liefeld did... Well, he did... So Iron Man and Fantastic Four, that was the Wildstorm books, uh. which were Jim Lee and Wills Portacio. <laughs> I, I Sorry if I mangled the name. Uh, and then the Liefeld books were the Avengers and Captain America. Uh, okay. and Liefeld draw cap, as we all laugh at. Yeah. And Avengers was slightly better because Liefeld only was like, hey, you should write this dumb story. And then a good artist drew better stuff. Sure. Though by issue six, Wildstorm just took over the rest of those books because they were getting way too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then in 98, he came back into the universe and he almost rejoined the Avengers, but 1998 is when the huge, huge change in Black Panther happened. So Black Panther is, in November 1998, gets his Marvel Knights book. Ah, uh, yeah. His amazing Marvel Knights comic where he it is written by Christopher Priest and Mark Texier. And Christopher Priest Ooh. even for a long time talked about how he didn't want to do a Black Panther book because he was like one of two black writers who wrote for Marvel, him and Dwayne McDuffie. And he talked about how he's just like, you keep trying to give me the Black Panther book and like, he's a character you don't care about. And you're just get, I feel like you're just giving it to me because I'm the black guy. And I don't want to write this guy. And I think he's been had a lot of dumb stories. But he takes it begrudgingly and he says, well, then if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And the way I do it is... There is no way if in the real world a, an African nation existed that was one, more technologically advanced than America, and two, had a resource that's worth more than oil, yeah. there is no way the American government would not invade that country and take it over. Yeah. And so he gets to tell a story where a deceitful like backhand conspiracy in the United States government is happening to try to create pretense for a war with Wakanda. This is in 98? This is in the 98 story. And huh. he's having to deal with this conspiracy theory of an attempted invasion of Wakanda huh. while he's operating in New York City with his uh, his mighty all-female guard with him. And it's also, it's a funny book that Christopher Priest also knew that he had to create some distance with Black Panther. Like, Black Panther is... It's his name's on the book, but the main character is K. Everett Ross, who is this like dweeby white dude who like sucks at everything. He's a comedy character. Like he'd be played by Seth Green in a movie if they wow. had put it there. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy who like could look on and awe at Black Panther, be introduced to the idea of Black Panther, and Christopher Priest straight up said I made this dweeby white guy so the dweeby white guys who will read this book can connect with somebody who will then connect them with Black Panther, just in case they don't see Black Panther in the character. Right. But it was a really fun run that Christopher Priest did Quantum and Woody, which is a great comedy book. So it had jokes in it, but Black Panther was kind of the... He was the straight-faced guy to it all. But Killmonger made a return, and it's also when Black Panther became a little more cunning Mm. than before. Like, he had just been kind of a regal guy, like, I am the king, and I am a friend, the king. Mm. But then, in this, he became... it It was Priest who thought up the idea that Black Panther was spying on the Avengers. And it was also him who, like, he outsmarts Killmonger. Killmonger beats him in a fight, and then he tricks Killmonger into poisoning himself. 
It's all, but he also doesn't kill Killmonger. Black Panther will kill if he has to, but he he's not. He doesn't have like a no kill rule, but because right. sometimes the king's got to execute somebody. Well, it's like Wonder Woman, maybe. Yeah, it's a similar thing. If it where... comes to that, I'll do it. But that is not my not my day in day out no. mantra. Definitely in his mind, he's just like, no, there isn't always another way. Priest wrote on the book for a few years. That takes us to mid two thousand six, where. He's part of Civil War. Black Panther's part of Civil War. At first, he abstains, but and he's like, "Yeah, I'm a foreign dignitary. I don't got to do this. Like, I don't care what you Americans do." But by the end, he teams up with Captain America. Mm. He joins the Cap team, and it's also at this time that a retcon happens where he meets his old flame, Aurora, aka Storm, wow. of the X Men. Now, because there are so few African characters in Marvel. That there had been writers who had written them before as having known each other, but they wrote a whole new thing. They're like, oh, they're old flames who dated in their teens in Africa and now are reconnecting. Mm -hmm. And so they get married. They become Marvel's new power couple. Aurora becomes like queen of Wakanda and she leaves the X-Men for a time Mm -hmm. even. And at the same time, Reginald Hudland starts writing a couple of new Black Panther series, which honestly, eh, there was one. Not that's, that's John Romita Jr. did some. Yeah, he did the art for that one. There's a new number one at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think Reginald Hudland had a great deal on the character. I also only know Reginald Hudland because the creator of Boondocks, Aaron McGruder, really hates him and uh. thinks he thinks he sucks when they had to work together in creating the Boondock series. Like, on the show, they make fun of Reginald Hudlin, who is an executive at BET, mm. even though Reginald Hudlin is, like, a credited executive producer on the show. But also, it's part of Civil War. Very briefly, the Fantastic Four broke up, mm-hmm. and T'Challa and Storm took over, leading the team in the Reed and Sue roles. It was a very brief run on the comic that very quickly got replaced by J. Michael Straczynski on it. Uh. But it was written by Dwayne McDuff, who, again, the other black writer at Marvel. He wrote it, but he did a great job. It's it's very brief, but if, uh, I think it really... He really got the Black Panther as well. T'Challa kind of gets in a vegetative state very briefly, gets replaced by his sister Shuri. Mm-hmm. She becomes the Black Panther. So if you've seen comics with a woman in Black Panther yeah, yeah. costume, mm-hmm. that's her. That's Shuri. If you remember in the superhero spotlight for Daredevil, we talked about the horrible comic Shadowland. Yeah. As part of that, when he stopped being Daredevil, the Daredevil book was briefly taken over by Black Panther, who moves to Hell's Kitchen, and he becomes the man without fear protecting protecting Hell's Kitchen. It was an interesting side bit, but it's just like, eh, I mean, it was okay. It was all right. Though also at that time, there was the Secret Invasion comic, and there's like a brief Secret Invasion special with Black Panther written by Jason Aaron, and it is amazing. It's just about the scrolls try to invade Wakanda, and he just straight up murders all of them. Mm-hmm. And sa- as as a point of saying, this is what happens when you try to invade Wakanda. Right. It's an amazing book, and it's the one I think that most got the marriage between Storm and Black Panther. It really made it work in there. But unfortunately, Avengers versus X Men happened, which really fucks Black Panther. Yeah. Like it, Namor, who is a mutant and gets the Phoenix Force. The heroes, the Avengers, are hiding out in Wakanda, and Namor flattens Wakanda. He floods it Mm -hmm. and kills thousands. It destroys the country. Cats hate water. Ah, I know. They should have just, they tried to stand on top of the highest building, but it just didn't (laughs) work. 
And then at the same time, Black Panther is so pissed off at the mutants and the X-Men, he annuls the marriage to Storm. So it's done. Like mm-hmm. It's not even a divorce because, again, Marvel hates divorced superheroes. Right. So instead, Black Panther just says, well, the marriage is a Wakandan marriage. I am the king of Wakanda. <laughs> I absolve this marriage. It never happened. Boom. See you, see you Storm. And Storm just rebounds right to Wolverine briefly and, and cuts off all her hair and gets back to the Mohawk. And that was a pretty awesome time for her, man. Yeah. But this is around when, like, and then after AVX, they get, like, really bad blood between Namor. Because yes. Namor eventually loses the Phoenix Force. And the, the and he says, hey, the Phoenix Force may be crazy, but Black Panther's like, I do not forgive you, and I yeah. will kill you someday. Yeah, and this is, I think, getting into New Avengers. Yeah, there, right? yeah. so right after AVX, Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers starts. And while I have complained about some aspects sure. of it... If there was one character he got right, it was Black Panther. He was great in that. In the New Avengers book, he writes Black Panther as the leader of the team. Basically, the leader of the Illuminati. He takes over them. And he's the guy who has the guts to press the button on, like, oh, we've got an incursion from another universe. I'm blowing up that planet. Like, he's... Obviously, he doesn't take joy in it, right, but he but also he's like I'm a leader. Well, like him and Namor both kind of almost bond over. Yeah. Who it's normally, funny that they hate yeah. each other, but they're also like we're both kings. We know what's we up. We know that you have to protect a, a whole world or a kingdom. It's like yeah, everybody else has to die to save my kingdom. So yep. I will blow up that entire planet. I mean, that also is why Doctor Doom can sometimes be one of his biggest enemies. Doctor Doom has yeah. attempted multiple coups of the co- country, and they just kind of bounce off each other because again, they're both monarchs of yeah. their territory and crazy smart science dudes so that takes us to secret wars where black panther is one of the lead dudes in saving the day he gets the infinity gauntlet and is one of the top guys to beat and look at least he was better than like uh he did better than thanos in it i mean he got some cool moments no 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 no, that's fine i just i that storyline i'm not a fan (laughs) yeah uh but the nice thing about secret wars was that it let cosmic reboot button be pressed on several parts of marvel yeah not the entirety of marvel but if you wanted to retcon something now is the time and that's what they did with that was one of the few retcons they recognized in the book where black panther saves the day and then he wakes up in wakanda and it is restored yeah like the destruction's gone i don't i think the people stayed dead but the city, the country was back, and it was the most advanced country in the world again. And he wants to start the Alpha Flight program, yeah. where he's like, oh, people don't want to go to space anymore. And Reed Richards isn't around anymore to lead science. I will be that leader of science yeah. for the world. He builds the Alpha Flight program. He's currently the leader of the Ultimates, which is the group that does it. That's where a uh, team with Captain Marvel... The former Captain Marvel, formerly Photon, uh, and also Galactus is on this team as well. What? And America Chavez, the Ultimates. They're they're the guys who solve the problems that are too big. And they're just like, hey, Galactus, you should need stuff. Let's make a deal. I and read issue three of that. I don't remember seeing Galactus at all. I swear Galactus is I know, he might have been. I, it was a while ago. So. And that also takes us to today's issue number one of Ta-Nehisi Coates and Brian Stillfreeze's new Black Panther series. In case you don't know, Ta-Nehisi Coates is a writer for The Atlantic. He has wrote multiple like nonfiction books about race relations in America. But as he revealed, he was also the biggest Marvel nerd as a kid. <laughs> and he talks about living in, you know, poor areas and having crappy life, but that comic books were his way, his window out of that world. And he loved the books and mm. he had been pitching to do work for Marvel for a while. Though the interesting thing is he pitched to do a Black Panther series, but they know because Marvel is his secondary job. They got all 11. They're like, you've got to write all 11 issues first. And then an artist will start working on it just so we don't have right. Kevin Smith like delays. Right. Like 
they they learn their lesson about working with famous people who don't need Marvel. But they've been saying that he's been like way ahead of time on his books. Like they're like, oh yeah, we're done now. Like he's That's got cool. all his scripts. He could write more than this eleven issue storyline if he wants. Wow. And and I also saw a very exciting Twitter exchange between Coates and G Willow Wilson, the writer slash creator of Miss Marvel. That she said, like, we should do a crossover. And he says, I'm totally into that. She yeah. says, you know, I've already got an idea for it. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Wow. Cool. Uh, when it comes to his stuff outside of comics, his first animated appearance didn't happen until 1994 in the very not good Fantastic Four series. Yeah. Like, how could there not have been a Black Panther toy in that era? Uh, I don't want to say they thought kids wouldn't buy a black toy, but... Uh, uh, but also, you don't even see his face. Like, you don't see his black skin. Yeah. So, racist parents could just tell their kids, like, oh, no, he's white under there. It makes you feel like I'm wrong. That there must have been. Because that, that toy line for FF was so I got to think the FF toy line must have had one. But, yeah, anyway. but the best thing on the 1994 show, which, again, looked like shit, was had terrible animation. But they cast... Keith motherfucking David oh, to be Black Panther. Here's a tiny taste in of the nineties. Let the monument of the Panther stand tall. The Black Panther's ready to stalk again. Man, Keith oh, David. So WCW. great. They should have stuck with it. I was voicing a Black Panther. Literally. <laughs> and, and we talked about Reginald Hudlin. When he was writing that Black Panther book, it was also used as a launching pad for a Black Panther animated series on BET, which is a nice stream. But the animation on it was, like, just above a motion comic. Like, you know those crummy motion comics? Like, why read Watchmen when you could watch a slideshow yeah. with talking? Like Twisted Metal 2 endings. Exactly. <laughs> and that's basically what that show was. I will give them credit for, you know, Keith David's great, but he is not an African. So he is an American playing an African character. Well, meanwhile, on Reginald Hudland cast Dijmon Hunzu as as the Black Panther. Though I don't think they did a lot of takes with him. That you will kill my mother? You will anyway. That you will destroy my kingdom? You will do that too. It doesn't really matter what you do. I'm still going to kill you. Yeah. yeah it, sounds like, it sounds like a PS2 game. Yeah. I know. And it's just... It feels like those old-ass Marvel cartoons from the 60s of like, uh. well, we drew a panel... Don't move mouths. Like, yeah, just yeah. zoom in on talking. And it's, yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, I think their reach exceeded their grasp of it's a great dream to be like, you know, BET should have a Black Panther cartoon. And I want to make it for the kids of today. But we have $8. He also starred in a bunch of video games. Well, he didn't star in any video games, but he was playable in lots of video games. Mostly the team-up games like the Lego games, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. He, he's, he appears in those, but he's never had his own solo game or even, like, co-starring in a game mm. and now that brings us to today where he is going to be played by chadwick boseman on the big screen he will first appear in civil war and he looks fucking awesome Those look cool oh god and wakanda's already been set up vibranium's already been set up and that's going to be leading into a february 2018 unless it gets delayed again movie uh starring chadwick boseman as a black panther being directed by Ryan Coogler, the director of Fruitvale Station and Apollo Creed. And yeah, it was, I am so excited. Like, Ryan Coogler is mm. number one, an awesome director. Number two, he proved he can do action stuff with yeah. Apollo Creed. To his film. Is the first Marvel movie starring a. It is the first person? Marvel movie wow. starring a black man. They've all starred white men to yeah. this point. 
And then uh, I think in 2018, it's both first Black Panther and then Captain Marvel. Right. But isn't uh, uh, one of the Infinity Wars 2018 also? Uh, yeah, he's right before the Infinity War yeah. part. Man. Right before it. DC was really ahead of the curve with uh, Steel and Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. you got to give him I got to <laughs> give him that. Hey, before those, Spawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's 50 years of the Black Panther. And that is our superhero spotlight. Collect your hero. All right, why don't we get into some quick-ass news, folks. Batman vs. Superman has passed $700 million globally. However, that's it's it becomes a question of like, well, is that a good number or a bad number? Because it was number one at the box office, but at a big drop, like adjusted for inflation, I saw this stat that Batman vs. Superman had the biggest week-to-week drop of a superhero movie since uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, right. which... That's bad. You don't want to be compared to that on a financial level. Yeah, yeah. but also at a way bigger first week. Yeah, seven hundred yeah, yeah. million is nothing to scoff at. Though yeah. people bring up like, yeah, but will it make a billion dollars yeah. like the shitty Alice in Wonderland film that <laughs> Tim Burton made? Pro- might not. Though they also had an interview with Zack Snyder, or at, well, first they had an interview with Zack Snyder of him saying. Hey, will you guys do more Superman films, a solo film? And he says, you know, if we get a good uh, if we get a good script, I think we'll do it. So I hate to say there will never be another Superman film because they'll never get a good script from Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, uh, some pity laughter from the peanut gallery here. But the uh, the insiders are saying they are staying the course. Like they're like, nope, the we don't care what the critical response was, or if that was a critical response that it was too dark or too this or too that. We don't care. Zack Snyder's going to make Justice League how he's going to make Justice League. Like, there's not going to be a change. Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the individual movies because they can tie into that universe but not be directed by Zack Snyder. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I just don't... But I really... Boy, it would be nice to look forward to a Justice League movie. Like, to yeah. think, boy, a Justice League movie would be nice. Yeah. Uh, are there any solo movies before Justice League, or does this go straight into... No, it's Wonder Woman, and uh, Wonder Woman's next, then Justice League. Okay. And then Cyborg and Flash will follow that. Though there's talk... Oh, actually, sorry, it's Flash, then seemingly Cyborg. They're going to have, apparently, Cyborg in the Flash movie. But uh, honestly, every film after Justice League just seems like a giant question mark to me. Uh, like, I really... But not, like but not in, one. It's kind of like Inhumans, where it's like, eh, we probably shouldn't have told you all that. Yeah, this has a 50-50 chance of actually happening. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you should be happy about this casting news of DC, though. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, I know you've said in the past that Maxima was one of your first comic book yeah. crushes. And she's going to be on the Supergirl show. Okay. And not only that, she's going to be played by former WWE diva Eve Torres. Well, that works. That definitely works. So he's also Eve Torres Gracie. She's married to yeah. a Gracie, and she she's kick butt. yeah, she she can really kick butt. She hasn't been in WWE since 2013. Damn, it, doesn't it feel that long? I, yeah. I was watching that. I don't even remember yeah. her. I mean, she was at that very, point, yeah, she was only like doing behind. Like uh, this was, was the Divas yeah. era. It was yeah. garbage. Like okay. you weren't yeah. supposed to pay attention. I see. She was like the assistant to a general manager or uh, something. Also, Dave, would you go on a cruise with Norman Reedus and Ernie Hudson? Well, now you got me thinking about Eva Torres. I'd rather go uh, well, uh, She hasn't, been, uh, she hasn't yeah. been signed up yet for the Wizard World Cruise, Dave, <laughs> which uh, is getting announced. But, yeah, it's uh, on a Norwegian princess cruise uh. line going out of Florida. Like, it is a con on a cruise ship. And wow. $700-ish dollars for a ticket as a starting thing in the... 
confirmed people. Norman Reedus is the biggest name confirmed, and there's a lot of nobodies Maybe on there. That means he dies on Walking Dead. He's oh, he's like I'm free. I can go on a cruise all I want, baby. <laughs> and Ernie Hudson is like when he's the second build guy on your crew on like your celebrity cruise, like you don't have a very yeah. strong showing yeah. on there. Virgil uh, from WWE wrestling <laughs> superstar. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange did a bunch of filming in New York City this week. Uh, it must have been yeah. some last minute stuff because it's coming out it's at the memes. end of the month. And yeah, so there were tons of funny pictures of him in full costume. I'm really looking forward to the movie, but when you see, you know, Doctor Strange and Shuatel uh, Elijah Four in full costume and just a still yeah. with no lighting or special yeah. effects. It does look silly, mm. but he's yeah. got the fucking he's got the fucking eye of Agamotto. He's yeah. making the fucking the, uh, the wiggly fingers yeah. I love so much. His Ditko fingers, as I saw some people call it. I thought it looked really cool. I have high hopes. Like this is a chance for them to get really weird and yeah. do something totally different. And I I hope that's the case. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Uh, and then uh, Image Expo is happening it right now, which is their yearly mini con where they announce a bunch of new books. And I. I'm really sad it is happening, I believe, in Seattle this week instead of San Francisco, where it was the last three years. I got uh. to attend last year's. If you remember, hard to believe it was a year ago, Dave. We did a podcast with Danielle Rienda right on uh. here talking about Image Expo. And now now it's not even in San Francisco, probably because they realized it was too expensive. But yeah, they announced a ton of new books. The highlights of them are all you know famous teams. Like That's what Image Expo really is about, is finding out the team that you liked at Marvel or DC working on this book, they quit. What happened? Oh, they've got a whole new book at Image where they're going to make more money. And the uh, the neatest one to me is Brubaker and Phillips announced their new book, Kill or Be Killed, which they described as Death Wish meets Breaking Bad and the 1970s Spider-Man comics, <laughs> Jeez. which is like, I, I'm sold right there, guys. You got me. Uh, and then also the 100 Bullets team of Brian Azzarello and Edward Rizzo, they're doing a new book called Moonshine, which seems to be like a crime noir set in the Moonshine uh, era, like the 1920s, which I guess is also Boardwalk Empire, but I think this takes place in a different area. And then the team who has been making the great Batgirl of Burnside books in DC, who, are, who just ended their time on the book because they're not going to be there for Rebirth, made you wonder, like, oh, they quit Batgirl. Does this mean they're done? No, they're starting their own book called Motor Crush, which has this cover image of this badass lady on a motorcycle. It looks really cool. Mm. So uh, I bet there's a bunch of other ones, but those are the three that really struck out to me of, damn, I want to read these new image books, just like some of the other new books I read this week, which I will talk about in what you've been reading. Oh, and lastly, I did want to mention that uh, Kimagure Orange Road is one of my favorite animes of the 80s that no one ever watched and was never popular here. But <laughs> it, uh, it was a good popular. setup. <laughs> so unpopular that its manga never got an official release in America. But there is currently a Kickstarter up for it. Uh, for it to be published in six omnibuses in America. Whoa, so, you know, it'd be pretty cool if you're into Kimagure, Kimagure Orange Road but you didn't even know it had a manga. Now is your chance. I just wanted to spread the signal on that. Mm. Uh, but all right, but anyway, that's it for the news. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been reading, what uh, what happened or didn't happen Ooh. on The Walking Dead, and your answers to last week's question of the week. Stay tuned. Ooh. 
Are you already tired of 2016? Jump into the past with 302010, our weekly pop culture time machine podcast. Here's something you may remember from 1986. Bob Hope had basically seemingly 10 specials a year on television uh, back then, but this was we're the worst. Bob Hope's Royal Command performance for the <laughs> for, uh, all the way from Sweden for the King Gustav and Queen Sylvia. That is some March SEO 19th. level bullshit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and uh, the, the only boots. 70s kids will get this. Bob Hope Ugg boots. <laughs> That's 302010, a weekly look at what happened in pop culture 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, every Thursday right here on the Laser Time Network. Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to the break for this week's episode of Cape Crisis. And I want to thank you all for listening, as usual, and all your support. Wherever you support us on patreon.com slash lasertime, which is the easiest way to directly give us cash and pay our rent. Though, you also get so many great extras like bonus time, access to our weekly Monday Night Movie viewings, and the first season of Talking Simpsons, and a ton of other great stuff. Also, if you wanted to support us, you can buy things on Amazon through the links on lasertimepodcast.com. When you go to lasertimepodcast.com and see all the great content we're putting up, including the weekly superhero spotlight video, uh, you'll see a bunch of links to stuff on Amazon. Now, you don't have to buy what we suggest. You buy anything through those links, like you'll find on this week's episode page. If you buy anything through those links on that episode page, a little bit of money gets kicked back our way at no extra cost to you. Same great Amazon price, and you get to help out your old buddies at Laser Time. Uh, and also, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but please l- subscribe to this on iTunes if you have not, and give it reviews. It really helps the visibility of this as well as you following us on twitter and facebook at laser time show and laser time on facebook look them both up it keeps you up to date with all the awesome crap that we do all the damn time uh and lastly it's time for the hanks corner pick of the week uh you know i talked about it uh, a little in the second segment but i'll just reiterate the Archie book is really, really great. Mark Wade, Fiona Staples, Veronica Fish, all on one Archie book, and it is just so damn good. The first six issues have been collected, and when you get that collection, you also get the first issue of Jughead in it. And so it is totally, totally worth it. You can buy it on Amazon through the link on this week's page, along with links to a bunch of other stuff we talk about on this week's episode. All right, now back to the rest of the show. back for the second segment and i am here with brett and dave the walking dave rudden and uh it's important that you are the walking dave because you can be here for the uh expert opinion on the walking dead in our what you've been reading section up front here well i think more importantly i watched the finale of walking dead season six um Which uh, I I'm glad I watched after WrestleMania because it put as bad as <laughs> WrestleMania was it put things in perspective because <laughs> nothing ended as badly as The Walking Dead season six. The <laughs> uh, Lost season one didn't end as bad as the dude. Lost uh, season uh, one was a great well, ending. I mean, I guess 
Is it and then when it started up the next season? It was like, oh, it's a guy, <laughs> just a guy. Uh, but yeah, it, it. So Negan showed up. Yep. And uh, the, the character itself, uh, the guy, Mr. Jeffrey Thomas Wayne himself. Yes, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He looks the part. Mm-hmm. And hopefully in the future he'll be more of like a profane dude like Negan mm-hmm. is. But the, in this episode he wasn't really. Well, Dave, he used the term pee-pee pants. There was a news story I withheld in our news segment earlier. Ah. Uh, but that they said on the Blu-ray that they're going to have a new... On the Blu-ray editions they're ah. going to just have different scenes with Negan where he says fuckity fuckwit and all that shit. Oh, all, okay. all the fucks he always says they're going to have that on the Blu-ray. Maybe they'll actually show whoever died. Because they didn't do that. Yeah, so and that's the big... I guess it's not even a spoiler because a thing didn't happen. Yeah. But I, I guess it's... It I, was really cool. Like, I, I've been listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts where they say, like, it's not about the how the match ended. It's about how the match unfolded. And, like, it's if it's good before the end, then it's still a good match. But, like, the scene up to the very end of the episode was really good. Like, he had this, like, he's doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo, just like the mm-hmm. Negan did in the comic. And it's like... talk about how, like, uh, I can't kill a black guy. You yeah. know, they'll think this or whatever. And, like, it's jump-cutting between everybody and they all look so panicked. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with the camera getting hit with the bat so you don't know who it is. Uh, uh, and uh, now we've got to wait, whatever, eight months or something. Yeah, eight months or out. something. Well, Dave, can I posit that yeah. uh, you and other people don't know what cliffhangers are? And That's... That you're, like, this used to be the thing that... This is something that I I would assume still happens on network or, or TV shows. Like, you have when, a cliffhanger. Yeah. When, when, when but it, no, like, no, like, how few other, like, shows have a text that they're based off of? So yeah. people know when they first see Negan, he's going to kill somebody important. Mm-hmm. And we've been told Negan's going to show up this season. Mm-hmm. You think you would also find out who Negan kills, but that has to wait another. Like it's just the, the slow burn that they take. Like, but no, we're that, finally going to see Negan. But that's a not until last episode. That's a meta thing where because people know too much about the show and the casting and the actors and have too much access. Like mm-hmm. this is the curse of having that much access to the information. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. too you're too invested. In the meta of all of it, when it's like if you were just if this show was airing 10, 15, 20 years ago, because yeah. I think about Next Generation, right? Star Trek, third season ends with Picard as a Borg, mm-hmm. he's on the Borg ship, and Riker has to use a weapon that they've been building the mm-hmm. whole episode to maybe stop yeah. the Borg, and the episode ends with Riker saying fire, and then music swells. You got to wait till fucking September, yeah. And it's like if but if the internet was as big as it is now, people would be. No, in, well, you know, his contract isn't, <laughs> and, and we don't know if he's coming back. Mm. How dare they make yeah. us wait all summer to find out if he's there? And it's like, watch the fucking show. Yeah, yeah that's it, what like, drove disconnect me. from the from the, the the business around it and just enjoy the show. Trust a storyteller yeah. to an extent. But it also, I mean, this the story has not been that good. Oh, um, there's that's, well, yeah, okay, it, that like, could be a separate. The the finale yes. was 90 minutes and like not that much happened. And uh, they om- they almost set up a noble character death, but that guy just shows up at the end too. Could he could be one of the people killed and. Well, yeah, and so I read about this. They didn't even film the death. Like, they yeah. didn't even film who it would be, so they're just going to come back together next year and uh, film. It's just yeah. just to protect from spoilers there. But it also reminded me of why I hate Talking Dead and post, mm. uh, like, conversation. Who do you think did it? Yeah, it's, it's, like, what, they what had on the fucking producers to explain themselves and explain, like, what a... What a cliffhanger is to the dumbasses watching. Of just like, 
yeah, we chose to end this on a cliffhanger to to it's not called, give you what you wanted. It's called That's, a cliffhanger because we hang you off of a cliff. And, uh, uh, named after the hit uh, 1993 <laughs> film, Cliffhanger. The famed author, Eric Cliffhanger. <laughs> Even though that he's, doesn't he's end German. Cliffhanger. Yes. And hey, look, I identify with people who hate cliffhangers, especially ones that are cheated out of. I mean, that speech about cliffhangers given in Misery mm-hmm. by Kathy Bates is one of my favorite speeches ever because I identify with it so much for she's just like, that wasn't in his car when he was falling off the cliff. Mm-hmm. That was a lie. Yeah. Like it's, I feel that way yeah. too. But I, also, like I, I, I shouldn't feel this way, but the not the whispers. I forget what his faction's called because it's been so long since they've been powered. Yeah, whatever. Uh, they but are. Gotham City Knights. No, <laughs> uh, but they've looked so dumb the entire season. Like mm-hmm. they'll have like five people holding one of uh, Rick's people hostage, and then they'll just get all blown up by some ambush. And it's like, all right, at, at a certain point, I want to see Negan like. I want to see him and his group look strong. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't even get that. It's the episode. You got to put him over hard if you want to yeah. make him the new. You got to set up yeah. new heel like that, man. But uh, <laughs> to that extent, the new issue of Walking Dead, uh-huh. uh, 154, I believe. It's gooder uh, at that. Yeah, I mean, and it, like Negan is back in. He escaped in the last issue. And this oh. issue, it's kind of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Like, really, nothing happens, but it's it's focused on Negan and, like, how he's making his way away from like uh, Rick's community and if you it's, watch it's Usual a, Suspects that yeah. is a slow Gabriel burn yeah it's a uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's like just the, the this like finally seeing Negan not being cut off at the balls in, uh-huh. in as he has been in the comics forever. Well, he's just uh, been he's like, like a little demon. Yeah, he's, he's like the devil on his shoulder for the last like two years or yeah. something. Hasn't so he now he looks badass again, which is okay. good. Okay, all right. Well, Dave, that's nice that you read those things, but I read better things. Yeah. I also did not read my. I only read the first, I think, uh, issue of Schism. So, all right, uh, then we yeah. won't assign you new homework today, Dave. We'll just uh, have to carry that on over. But that's okay because I read enough for both of us. Which uh, this yeah. was a hot day of new releases, and I read four new comic books today before coming over. Can you guys believe it? Yes. Uh, I don't normally, guys. I don't. Uh, So, I mean, we did the whole superhero spotlight on him, so let's talk about it. Black Panther number one. (laughs) It is a good first chapter to what I think will be a great story, but it is also a first chapter. Yeah. So tired. And will you call me a horrible SJW if I said my favorite characters in it are a lesbian couple and not not, uh, (laughs) T'Challa? Well, it's impossible to like that unless you are, Henry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know. It's how, how, can, how can you even like be in touch with characters mm-hmm. who aren't just like you? <laughs> no, but the art in it is amazing. Like uh, Still Freeze is the artist. He's he's great on it. Or they're great on it. I think it's a man. Uh, and and Ta-Nehisi Coates is really building to something interesting. And it's, it's more of just like Wakanda has been fucked with so much in the comics that they kind of do need to spend a whole issue saying, this is what the status quo of Wakanda yeah. is now. Like, it's <laughs> been messed with by so many other books because Black Panther hasn't had a solo book in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of... Uh, it's it's foundation building, which is what part one of a comic is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I saw someone said, like, Marvel's issue ones are, like, five bucks, which is... Uh, like, don't, don't, no, oh. if they're over 40... I mean, if they're 40 pages, yes, sometimes oh, they are five yeah. bucks. But uh, most are three ninety nine because they're just the normal yeah. size. I wish they would go to two ninety nine like DC, but what is a dollar either way? I mean, if you buy more than two books from them a week, uh, it's more. I don't know. Magic. There's a that three ninety nine has given me pause a lot more than two ninety. Like it's, I know it seems like an insignificant yeah. amount, but it's like that's mm-hmm. the, like four dollars. You're close to five, yeah. and if, when you, that now the five is running around in your head, like five dollars for a comic book. 
My kitty cat you gives me eat. pause. Like there's a there's a there's a psychological. <laughs> yeah. That's why so much stuff is it know, should have priced like, the way it is. Comicsology should have like those sandwich punch cards. Like you buy nine comics, <laughs> yeah. the tenth is free. Uh, I mean that's why even like when you price a game nineteen ninety nine, a digital game, and it's like well. It's what? worth twenty four ninety nine, and we should price it that. But twenty four ninety nine is this mental nowhere place where yeah. you're like, uh, it's over twenty. That's weird. I don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait till it goes on sale. But at nineteen, you're like, yeah. sweet. But when you're spending twenty, what's the difference to spending twenty five? Hmm. But it's that, yeah. the psychological shit about yeah. the way people buy things. So like two ninety nine, I will buy. I'll I'll spend more money. At two ninety nine, <laughs> paradoxically, than I will when I'm like four dollars. <laughs> uh, well, another four dollar book I did read was uh, Poe Dameron number one, oh, yeah. coming out the same week as the Blu-ray of uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, at least in America, which we're watching next week yeah. on our Monday Night Movie. Oh, are we? Yeah, I. It is part one of a story as well that we'll probably read much better collected, but it uh, it's a lot of high adventure, and it is all about setting up. Who the hell Poe Dameron is talking to at the start of the movie? And if you were curious for the answer of who Poe Dameron is talking to, you get most of the answer in this book. So That's cool. it's worth reading that for. Or I guess you could just go. He's to got Wikipedia. the jacket at this point. Though then again, somebody else. Yeah, he's wearing okay. a school jacket. But I mean, it was always yeah. his jacket. Then he gives it to Finn. I really do like. Look, this will sound like a fanboy talking about their fan fiction, but. If they could just have like a polyamorous relationship in the next one, if Finn, Ray, and Poe just all in like a cuddle puddle, I would really <laughs> like that. Just put put whatever in what holes. Yeah, yeah doesn't, doesn't who matter. Who cares? It's the it's the space. <laughs> yeah, what everything's got to be a hetero relationship in outer space. Uh, also, I read Archie number seven, the start of the next storyline in Archie, which is a really cool uh, new start to the series mm. because it sets up Pop of Pop's chocolate shop as kind of like the benevolent god of Riverdale that nobody <laughs> realized he was. It was, an, it was a really interesting situation. Uh, and also, let me just tell you guys, the Archie collection that's out now, they finally collected all six issues into a trade paperback, mm-hmm. and it also includes the first issue of Jughead. Really good. Like, really, really good. We're a collection worth picking up, people. I kind of want... Uh, I'm just thinking about Star Wars characters having sex. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of it being totally sexless. But, they but they're, so they're all Ken dolls down there? No, no, no. Well, it's just like I. That's what I love about Star Wars, especially even Force Awakens. It was just the it's the Miyazaki mm-hmm. like just the, the the pure friendship of everyone, mm-hmm. where it yeah. never gets sexual. When it's yeah. just like people coming together and being together yeah. in a loving relationship yeah. that is not like <laughs> so my brothers can kiss sisters. Yeah, and, I mean uh, it's just we're all we're all the same. We're all made of stardust, mm-hmm. man. Just. Uh, <laughs> No, but just like I, I don't know, I kind of like that angle of like no, there's no like people hooking mm-hmm. up. It's just like like when you watch a Miyazaki movie or a Jib- Studio Ghibli yeah. movie, it's like it's not about do, do this boy and girl get together. It's just they're just really close. By the way, I saw this hilarious clip that was shared to us by a friend of the show, Cherry Barrett, Cherry Park Barrett. But it was this interview with Mark Hamill where he's talking about working with Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. and the bit is him saying like. And, you know, it's really easy to, uh, you know, work with her. She's the same age as my daughter. And so then he just pauses. He's like, oh, um, guys, I'm talking about how, you know, we just connect as actors. And then he does the most, like, theatrical wink that any person has ever done. It was just, I love that moment. It was great. Uh, And lastly, of the comics I read this today, a real surprise but people pointed me to it was so Superior Foes of Spider-Man, mm. a very underrated, funny, funny, funny comic. 
the team of it, uh, the writer Nick Spencer, artist Steve Lieber, are back at Image doing a spiritual sequel that's R-rated. It's the kind of thing a lot of Image books right. are of like, oh, are you successful at Marvel and DC? Come to us and do a new thing and you'll get all the money. Right. And this book is called The Fix. And it has like got twist upon a twist upon a twist. It's a, it's a really funny crime book. Every twist is funny. There were a couple jokes in the first issue that had me like L, real life LOLing hmm. in my apartment. Yeah, LOL Just arrow? Like, ha! So That's an example. You are L O L I R L A in your apartment. I would have done L O L I R L Y E S. You can do both. L O L I Y A I R L. I could do that. out loud in your apartment in real life. Anyway, it's a really funny book, and uh, um, uh, one of my favorite bits. This won't give too much away, but there is a there's a crime boss in it. They introduce like a character who is the crime boss, the kingpin type figure, mm-hmm. except he is like the most what's the word I'm looking for like hippified dad who's like give it, talking about being gluten free having a kombucha uh, his kid he's a stay at home dad with his kid and a baby Bjorn mm-hmm. and he's talking about making kale chips and then they cut back to him like torturing someone for information yeah. and he's just like but anyway guys you know I really don't want to carve out your taints but um, <laughs> I gotta I might have to do it before me and my, my girl head up we're going, to, we're going to Sonoma <laughs> yeah they're going up to that was the joke they said we're going up to Sonoma and I kind of got to do this now they're like no wait boss boss <laughs> it's really like there's so much funny shit in there I cannot you know this get, book isn't getting a lot of press about it but I think it'll have a ton of word of mouth but the fix the first issue of the fix from Image Comics, Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber, really good. And boy, when you guys meet Pretzels, I think Pretzels is going to be your new favorite comic book character. That's uh, can you put a lock of the week on that for me, Henry? And it, that is my shoe in of the week. <laughs> and we good. went from WrestleMania to Pretzelmania. Oh, <laughs> actually, Phil Cullen made that joke on Twitter. So uh, did he read the book too, or is this unrelated? I think he just likes he just the likes way the that word pretzel. Pretzel, 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 baby. Yeah. Well, and uh, Brett, did you read anything? I did not. Oh, well, okay. Well, I, I, I've been trying to pick away at uh, that Evolutionary War omnibus that I bought almost a year ago. <laughs> Jeepers creepers. I, I don't know. I just haven't had any time to read anything. And, uh, I hear you. I, I, last week I did read X-Men 92, but mm. we briefly talked about I think you guys probably touched on it. Yeah. I wasn't on this segment last week, but... It, yeah, it, it's a great first start, but it, it is one of those, like, yeah, until this is a story, I, I'm really just losing my interest in single issue, again, three ninety nine for one thing that I devour and it's gone in mm-hmm. f- almost as many minutes as it is dollars. I hear you. I, I hear It you. just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But, to, yeah, I rethink that with The Walking Dead as well. Mm-hmm. I've already stopped doing it Back to the Future. I'm waiting for, because now that they do it in four... Uh, four issue stories, we may as well just wait. Wait yeah. for the entire story yeah. to finish. That makes sense. Well, okay, so this week we're bringing back the Ask Hank segment. I skipped it a couple weeks ago, and uh, you can give me your questions in the comments, the Ask Hank questions. And also, hey... Here, let me ask you guys a question, too, you listeners. Would you be cool if we moved the uh, post-day of the podcast from Thursday mornings to Friday mornings? Because that would give us an extra day to read the newest comic books. And also, when news keeps happening on <laughs> Thursday... <laughs> for years. <laughs> literally years. Yes, for years. So I, But I want to ask your permission first. So if you have a problem with that, if you're just like, if people don't like that... Then I won't do it. But uh, well, as you say in the promo video mm-hmm. or the promo uh, the clips that we play in between uh, breaks and episodes, oh, I will have to record. Every, no, them. but you you say 
or Every Friday. Thursday. That's why I don't have to change it. Good. No work needed. No. Uh, uh, just but, just cut out Thursday or, and it'll just... Yeah. Every Friday. But yeah, it is like almost every week, uh, most weeks for years, some news happens late Wednesday or Thursday. I expect and, it to happen with this. Yeah, and there's a trailer, a news story, something happens, and we have to wait a week to... Well, yeah. if, if this is the last... This might be the thir- second to last. Or, I think we'll still do Thursday next week. Okay, but, but what, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Hmm, well, oh, there's been all that Doctor Strange stuff. Maybe first Doctor Strange trailer. Hmm. Though I think that could be a couple weeks away. I bet they would put that before Civil War, though. I would assume so. Yeah. I loved his costume, though. Yeah, we talked all about it in the first segment. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's do some quick Ask Hank here. JGB Sterling asks, What do you have to say to the claim that Superman is an inherently boring slash lame character? With a movie out, I'm seeing this get brought up again. I even heard it from Dan Riker and Jeff Gerstmann on Giant Bomb. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as the comic authority, trademark, on the matter. Uh, Yeah, I was seeing this from a few other people, too. Somebody actually told, I think one person who doesn't follow me on Twitter just saw me tweeting about how I didn't like the character Superman is in the Snyderverse. And they said... But Superman's boring. Don't be mad at, like, a change to the character to make him more interesting. Which, you know, valid way of looking at it that lots of characters have had little tweaks and changes to make them from boring to interesting. But I don't think Superman is boring. Well, also the the Christ allegory that's in there is like, that has also been done repeatedly. It's been done Mm. to death. And also the argument is like, well, he wasn't created as a Christ figure. Like, he was created by two Jewish Canadians. And like, (laughs) in Cleveland, they they weren't thinking this guy's Jesus. And also his comics up to like 1970 didn't write him as Jesus either. Like, he was... Most Superman comics until, I'd say, the 70s were written to be like, Oh, I'm in a serious, silly bind here. A magical yeah. thing happened, and what can I do? Like, they're they're silly. They're usually silly things that give you a cover image that are like, how yeah. is Superman going to get out of this one? Yeah. And you read the comic to see what would happen. Yeah. But that doesn't work as well in the modern age. But that's what the character was built for. And so instead, you end up with all these stories about, like, guilty Superman. Of just him, like, sitting around like, boo-hoo, I can't change things with all my power. I wish I could. Which like, is that's perfectly, a bummer, too. It's though. a bummer, but that itself is a perfectly fine story to explore. Mm-hmm. But they already had a movie that they could do that with. Yeah. and But they don't commit fully with that either. Yeah. Like that, And it's just, you have to turn Superman into somebody who's not him. But, yeah, that's why I think, you know, the recent... I think there is a way to do it. That Superman can be a lame-o, or a Boy Scout, at least, of the guy who goes, Hey, I gotta take this cat out of the tree, or... Don't you be mean to your teacher. Right. He could yeah. say that, but if he said that and then beats the crap out of Brainiac like a page later, I would show you he can do both of these things. Like he can fight people if need be, but that's not his first choice. I feel like maybe yeah. the Captain America in the Marvel films has sort of taken that role where like he's the old fashioned yeah. uh, good guy. I mean, yeah, Superman should be more like that. A guy out of time who's... Yeah, they do a good job in the movies of of selling that Captain America idea of, like, when he speaks, everyone listens. Mm -hmm. And only someone like Tony kind of grates on him because Tony's so full of himself. But, like, (laughs) the idea is still, like... Even as an as a audience, view, as a viewer of the movie, yeah. like, oh, Captain America, like, he's kind of not wrong. Mm-hmm. He's going to make the right choice that's best for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. you, you get that sense, even though they don't explicitly say, Captain America is really good at making decisions. Like, yeah. And I think there's something not boring about Superman if he is against the grain of society by being a more pure person yeah. or yeah. whatever. And if you think that's boring, that he's like, oh, he has no flaws, like... 
maybe his flaw is that nobody else likes him or mm-hmm. is just like oh you're too pure for this which I heard some people like argue oh well that's that's why everybody rejects him in Batman vs Superman like no if there were scenes where Superman was that pure dude and then everybody was like I can't trust this guy he's got something going for him that'd be one thing he's not that in Batman vs mm-hmm. Superman yeah like, they built him a statue and those people are like praying to him and like yeah again it was yeah. just Jesus bullshit man. like I <laughs> I feel like some of the stuff that I liked uh, when I like read Superman in the '90s and watched uh, Lois and Clark, it was like <laughs> I like the relationship aspect of it. Where like, like granted, like Spider-Man has sort of the same thing, but like Superman is pretty much unkillable, but yeah. he's surrounded by people who can be targeted when in, in certain situations. They're all and, too vulnerable, and he, yeah, he has to like leverage like being this powerful being against protecting those who are closest to him and. Uh, the yeah, the movie that. was not about that. It it, it, it kind of just had this like fake romance that was not built at all, and you, By I the didn't way, really care about Lois Lane in the in the Batman vs Superman. But what are you talking about? He said, "You're my world." And then he and got in the bathtub with her. <laughs> <sighs> but the thing I liked about because it, it took me a while to warm up to Superman. All same with Captain America. As a kid, I thought, oh, yeah. they're wieners." Yeah. I don't. Captain not, America was a real fuddy duddy who yeah. told you told people guilt trips like. Spider-Man, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was your dad. I mean, and that, that's yeah. the way they could have differentiated, like, Superman sure. from Captain America. Captain America, in the last, whatever, two movies he's been in, has not had a wiener. <laughs> like, he has, like, I don't think he's had any romantic You mean a thing. relationship? Yeah. Like, I think you'll finally movie, yeah. get with Sharon Carter in this next one, ah. I think. But what I liked about Superman is, and they're, they're always, I mean, Superman is one of those characters where, like, I can't, I don't like the idea of trying to read him as an ongoing monthly comic having adventures every month like that's not mm-hmm. that interesting but I, what I do like is when people cherry pick like these are really good stories and it's like that's that same you know uh, scene that gets sent around of him talking the girl off of the the, yeah. the edge of the building or from all star Superman yeah like that is great uh, Superman for all seasons just things that show him yeah. going through like trying to relate to a world that to him is like cardboard mm-hmm. and that's why I also thought the cartoon was so good at this but he's a friendly guy who cares about that cardboard yes, he cares about it and it's like yeah I can burn all of the ground but I'm not going to and anyone who tries to step to that I will I will put them down yeah. and like that's a you can do a lot with that but I think a Superman who hugs suicidal girls is, does not work with Zack Snyder's sensibility sure. I just don't think but the Superman is very malleable yeah. though like yeah. you can have him be that touchy feely guy who doesn't need to break a building and have to get to someone and save one person or he can be someone throwing buildings at, you can yeah. do that but when it's uh, the movie just didn't work I, for yeah me. I don't think yeah. I don't think Snyder would have him hug a suicidal girl but he would have him hug a suicide girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the idea, but yeah, yeah. The idea that he's a boring character I don't think I think that's I don't think that's true nah. was that movie he did Pop Rocks or with the Sucker Punch the, Sucker Punch <laughs> Pop Rocks <laughs> Pop Rocks I don't know uh, Gene Simmons Toyota asks Hank outside of the Ditko run and Craven's Last Hunt what are your three favorite Spider-Man stories. Uh, well, I'm going to have to cheat and say that a couple of them are written by Dan Slott, but he has been my favorite Spider-Man writer of the last 20 years. Uh, but, but my two favorites by him are New Ways to Die, his big crossover. That was the, good. The first six-parter in the new day sto- brand new day storyline. He's fighting Green Goblin for the first time. And it actually got the closest to Spider-Man like killing somebody in his story because... I love that he's like he's smashing Green Goblin's head through walls and Goblin's like you won't kill me and he's like I don't think you can be killed so you know what <laughs> fuck it I that was a f- smart I like that I yeah, like that that's pretty good and on the other side of that is No One Dies where Spider-Man decides I'm not his guilt is taken to all new levels and he just proclaims I will let no person die like not even a killer 
nobody else like as long as i'm around nobody ever dies and he uh, i really love that storyline too it's got one of the best all-time great dream sequences in a spider-man comic and uh then lastly what my all-time favorite is like it's two issues long but it is no one stops the juggernaut or nobody stops the juggernaut it is it is the classic roger stern john ramita jr one where juggernaut it's like early 80s juggernaut has been hired to get madam web and spider-man has to stop him and spider-man can't and it is classic like you know spider-man underdog story yeah the art is amazing just like this screenshot or screenshots the panels of spider-man like jumping all around juggernaut and juggernaut's like could you just like like i'm just gonna keep walking you can't stop me i really love that do you guys have any you dad i mean we've talked about it before but amazing 350 the, uh, the yeah, Doctor the Doctor Doom, Doom one, yeah. Like, I guess 349 and 350 are the yeah. total thing, but 350 alone. It's just Spider-Man trying at all to stop Doctor Doom <laughs> yeah. and just failing constantly. Uh, that stuck with me. A lot of the early Venom stuff, like 299, 300, mm-hmm. that really stands out. And then uh, there was one issue of Spectacular Spider-Man in the 2000s, not the 80s, 90s Spectacular, but after they'd renumbered. Okay. I think, for some reason, number 18 pops out. It may not be 18, but the cover is, it's like upside-down art of him swinging upside-down and like a time-lapse. There's like echoes of him, like swing, 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 yeah. swing, swing, and then a solid one, and it's it's trying to show this motion of him swinging and getting his spider sense in the middle of the swing and then turning sideways. And But basically, the whole story, it's a one-issue thing where like, I think he's fighting maybe Morbius or somebody on a rooftop, but it's in front of I think a kid that might be deaf or oh, or paralyzed wow. or, or in some other way is just some kid who like is I think he's having this internal monologue of just thinking like here I am again in this chair and I can't do anything and then he gets to see this this fight unfold between Spider Man and somebody. And then at the end Spider Man sees him and realizes what it is, like what's going on, that this kid is was there and witness this whole thing and for some reason I forget why he does it but he takes his mask off and just shows this kid and I think the kid's reaction is like oh he's just a guy he's just like a regular person who has the same problems as everybody I haven't read that one and and when he takes his mask off they purposely draw him like I swear it looks exactly like I looked at the time (laughs) because it's one of those like when Peter Parker is drawn certain ways I'm like that's why I always like to dress up as Spider-Man and Halloween stuff as (laughs) as a teenager because I'm like "This, this works really well for me but that there's a the way they drew him. I'm like, that's actually kind of how I look, and I just read it, and I don't know. It, it was because he does. They don't. It's not a flattering. It's meant to kind of look like a normal human person, mm. just to be like, look, yeah, I just did this fantastic stuff. Like, I think the message. It's been ten years since I've read this, but I think it's like, yeah, you see me doing all these crazy flips and all this acrobatic stuff, and I probably seem just impossible and amazing to you, but I think his idea is like, look, I'm I am just a person. I got a big like bruise that. on my face, like. And it just stuck with me. I don't know what issue that is, but it's Spectacular Spider-Man from the mid-2000s. I know that much. That was during, uh, what, Phil... No, not Phil. I have no idea what the yeah, team was. Uh, Paul Jenkins. Was that a Paul Jenkins one? I think no I think he was right. Anyway, all right. Let's get to the Question of the Week replies here. Uh, last week's Question of the Week was... Um, oh, yeah. What comic book event or thing makes you really angry? As I got angry about Batman versus Superman. Nathan Edmondson, uh, sorry, 
Samael said, Nathan Edmondson's version of Frank Castle in the latest Punisher series didn't infuriate me, but it definitely annoyed the crap out of me. In one of the first issues, Frank is shown having coffee at a diner and casually talking with the cook. A police officer and a soldier, who all know he is the Punisher, show up, and they're all smiling and laughing. <laughs> Not only is this incredibly dangerous, it also runs counter to basically every other interpretation of Punisher. I don't personally think Frank has to be a totally cold, unfeeling bastard but he also really shouldn't be this goddamn chummy with civilians. Movie Brat said, The 2015 Fantastic Four, if only for the fact that I defended that movie's right to exist <laughs> because I originally trusted the film because of Josh Trank's previous work on Chronicle. Uh, JGB Sterling says, Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the closest I got to angry about comic book stuff. Mm. I loved, loved Abnett and Lanning's uh, yeah. run so much, and seeing all the stupid ways Bendis perverted what made the characters and that run special to me was beyond infuriating. Yeah, I was kind of turned off. I didn't hate it, but I just... No, kinda... but I was just like, well, you didn't read, like, Bendis, I don't think you read the book that I believe, preceded this. I believe that he read it. I yeah. just, I, I feel like he puts his stamp on it and sometimes it works for me like with Uncanny X-Men mm-hmm. and then with Guardians it just didn't work for me. <clears throat> Gene Simmons Toyota said, which uh, DC's identity crisis, which left me with a very same feeling of walking out of Batman versus Superman, me, i.e. this hurts the legacy of important cultural characters and is insulting to my intelligence. Uh, Sex Rex has a controversial opinion. For me, it's pretty recent. On the strong recommendation of all kinds of people who should know better, I read the objectively terrible Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, whoa. If it's Jim Star, it is Jim Starlin's fan fiction for his own characters. Foremost, a blatant dark side ripoff. There's no tension because a magic gloves gives the villain the power to do literally anything. Thanos only loses because deep down he wants to. And all this dumb shit happens because he wants to fuck a skeleton. <laughs> what am I missing here? Well, the idea is that he could do anything, but it's not what he wants. Yeah, and it's about the chase of what happens when you get all like it's whatever the metaphor what you want in there. It's like it's all power, or it's a job, or it's a date, or it's a whatever. And it's like then you get it, and it's like, well, I didn't really want the ultimate power. What I really wanted was the attention or the recognition or something like that. So he goes to all these great links to get these gems that will let him rewrite the universe in his image, and he doesn't even want to do that. He just wants this person that he worships to worship him back. Yeah, I will say later Jim Starlin stuff with Thanos does feel like fan fiction. Uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Obi-Sean Kenobi says two words, Spider Totem. Yeah. I stayed with Spider-Man through the Clone Saga, but that Spider Totem bullshit was too much for me. I stopped reading and did not start again until Brand New Day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I do always wonder when uh, suggesting someone Infinity Gauntlet now, because it's like, again, I don't know how how it reads now. All I know is like how it read then. I can't not read it as my ten year old. Yeah, self I was eleven years level, old. Yeah. So like, but when I read it now, I just I think about what was going on in the comics and why it was there and why it was big. Mm. So like, and then they just tried to keep recapturing that feeling. So I'm like, I don't know what it's like after you've kind of seen Thanos in the ether as this villain doing things for two decades since Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. When that was... I mean, he had done stuff in the 70s on the uh, equivalent scale like with a Cosmic Cube, but... Yeah, and this like, was like the death of Captain Marvel, but this was yeah, a whole yeah, other yeah. level to it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if he didn't like it, that's fine. Shirking Off, was the uh, last one, says, uh, V for Vendetta movie probably made me the angriest. The graphic novel was rooted deeply in British national identity and the political landscape of the 80s. Americanizing the story felt like a huge slap in the face. And while I think Alan Moore was destined to become a grumpy old man, I think V for Vendetta was his break. 
breaking points. Mm. I get that. I I mean, I talked about V for Vendetta earlier. Or no, wait, on thirty twenty ten. Yeah, I discussed V for whoop? Vendetta and how it really does kind of f with the you know characters of the books. I'd say yeah. and and changes up a lot of things, including like. V is just a dick, like, and unrepentant. He's just like, nah, I did fuck with you. What are you going to do? I had to teach you a lesson. In the movie, he's like, I did fuck with you. I'm sorry. But you had to know I wanted to help you, but you had to learn. Uh, you know what? In this week's question of the week, why don't we just go with, do you think Superman is too corny for our times? Like we talked about, is he inherently boring or can he be interesting? Answer that in the forums. There'll be a link to it on this week's episode page on lasertimepodcast.com, which is the home to so many wonderful things and topics and written articles, such as, say, seven, uh, the top seven 90s animated openings redone as PlayStation video. Or, PlayStation intros. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Also, this week's Superhero Spotlight, where I did the video version of the Wonder Woman stuff we talked about last time. You want to see some of the crazy panels I found of Wonder Woman, man. But what do you guys have to plug? Uh, I helped put together uh, this week's Laser Time, which was about reality TV. Um, That's like comics, right? And, I mean, uh, Stan Lee yeah. had one. Oh, yeah. It is dramatized reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also host uh, Cheap Pop Rocks. I mean, Cheap Pop Cast, uh, mm-hmm. pro wrestling podcast. Uh, we just covered WrestleMania, so it's a big one. Uh, VG Empire, the video game music podcast. Uh, we recently posted an episode with the composer of Deus Ex 1 and 2, so wow. you can check that out uh, as well as prior episodes. Recently, we talked about Jackie Chan's action kung fu, <laughs> did a ton of Batman video games. Batman uh, and Superman video games. I was going to get to Superman after sorry, I talked about sorry, the Batman games because we did a separate one about the Game Boy game uh, that uh, Manami Matsumai, the mm-hmm. Mega Man 1 composer, she worked on Return of the Joker for Game Boy, so it's this all like. Very Mega Man-y Batman music, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And uh, we also do 30-20-10, a weekly look back at what happened this week 30 years, 20 years, and 10 years ago, which included V for Vendetta recently turning 10 years old. And uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, we have the weekly show bonus time. Uh, I think we've, uh, I think Batman versus Superman has been a topic on that for a couple weeks now. Yeah, someday and, we'll let go of it. And um, also we do weekly movie commentaries, including, and last month we did uh, uh, Man of Steel and mm-hmm. Daredevil. And, uh, you know, on there is where we have the first season of Talking Simpsons, our weekly exploration of every uh, episode of The Simpsons, one at a time. We're at the beginning of season three, but if you want to hear season one and the season two wrap-up special, they're all on patreon.com slash laser time. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior!